Good morning, 953 Jams listeners. You're listening to It's Debatable with attorney Nianza L. Moore. Tune in bright and early every Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. for all the caffeine you need. Join me on the TuneIn app, the Waze app, Radio Box, and Xeno Radio to 953 Jams. Follow me and watch live on Facebook at Nianza L. Moore and on Instagram at Nianza L. Moore. Now here's your host, the Fly Esquire, attorney Nianza L. Moore on 953 Jams. Here is the top T on It's Debatable with attorney Nianza Moore on 953 Jams. <clears throat> All right, everybody, we are back. Okay, so I'm going to fly through this T. First, in dumb housewife news, I'm so happy to report that Ramona Singer, you know, the racist housewife on Real Housewives of New York, the older versions with the old ladies. Yeah, well, she just I think she just turned 60 and now she's fired from her real estate um, agency that she was working for. Remember, she just got her real estate license. And so now she's out on the streets. Goodbye and good riddance. We don't need your racist butt on there because she was dropping the N-bomb too many times. And plus, you know, she was a, I mean, no shade to the Trump supporters because a lot of them watch this show. But, you know, Ramona was doing dumb stuff the whole time talking about nobody needed the COVID vaccine. And then she got her butt handed to her when she went to um, the other housewife's uh, house uh, and got cursed out for saying that the vaccines weren't going to help. And you know what? So I'm happy that she's gone. I like the Real Housewives in New York, the new women. I mean, they're not really that popping, but I'm just happy to see fresh faces. And when I watched the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, not a whole lot going on there. I mean, I really just don't really care that much about them now that Jen Shaw's in jail. But I do like that Monica is giving a clap back. You know, she's the new girl on the show. Her mama is a ratchet white girl or Latina version of Tokyo Tony. They curse each other out. Her mama told her, I hate you. You're... And effing B, cursing her out all the time. She took the girl's card. The girl got fortune. I mean, if you want to watch the real Housewives of Salt Lake City and you just have some time to watch, you need to watch it this season. If you want to see a real realistic happening between a mother-daughter relationship where you got three generations of women in a single family where all the women were losers. And I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not talking about her parenting. I'm talking about Monica, who's the newest woman on the show. You know, she's the one who turned, uh, who was a federal, and well, she she returned. She turned. I want to say it's turned state's evidence or whatever. She's the one who testified against Jen Shaw, and I guess she wore a wire and did all that mess. Anyway. She betrayed Jen Shaw, turned her into the feds, testified against her in court. And that's why I don't really uh, like Monica because she's like, I mean, come on, who, who, and nobody likes a person who is going to just go ahead and just turn somebody in when they were hanging out with, I mean, that's not my cup of tea. I mean, unless it's like a murder charge. I really don't have a lot of problem if you're going to, I mean, if it's murder, turn them in. But anyway, but for her, her relationship with her mom is so toxic, but the, it looks like her her mom never had any stability. Her mom dropped her off at her grandma's house or something like that. And the grandma's in some bingo. Listen, it's a whole bunch of toxicity at a high level. So that's really the most realistic thing that's going on. Then you have, um, I mean, what, what, what happened? Oh, the married to medicine. Let me tell you something. 
Married to Medicine gave me life over the last couple of days when I had to catch up on the episodes. I am all the way here for having the new soon-to-be wife of Quad's ex-husband. I don't remember his name. Doctor whatever. Uh, He's the psychiatrist that was on the show married to Quad. Quad wouldn't give him a child. Now he's got this girl on the show. She's country. She sounds country. He met her because she slid into his DM. Yes. She slid into his DM saying... I know how to treat you right. And this dumb dude had the nerve to bring this girl from the country and fly her into Atlanta. So now they're engaged on the show. She said, I mean, she, listen, they are the, let me, if you ever want to see mean girls in action, it is the crew of the women on the Married to Medicine. I don't care how they've tried to package it. They brought this woman on the show specifically to be a scapegoat and a laughing stock. They go to the bridal salon for her to try on these dresses at a place called Winnie Couture, which I happen to like. That's a really nice salon. But they get this girl in there. She's got her girlfriend there, who's her person on her Facebook group friendship, whatever the heck that's about, where it's for black women that are dating old men. And I'm like, like this girl is like her ace in the hole. They're talking about what it's like. And when they have this discussion, the craziest thing about it that lets me know I'm going to watch every episode of Married to Medicine this season is because the chief complaint was that the man's private scrotum drops longer and longer to the ground the older that he gets and on another scene the craziness was the girl had the nerve to say out of her dumb butt mouth when the women asked her hey so what's it like you know you're new here we're all making friends and this is when you know it's a setup when you have a group of women talking to the new girl and they're all smiling, smiling, but they're making certain comments like, have you ever been called a gold digger? <laughs> the girl's like, no. And she's got her sister running up in there listening to this conversation go down. And then then cue to another woman in the room who has to say stuff. I don't know what exactly she said, but it was the best part of reality TV for this particular segment because she said, um, well, you know, now that we're engaged, I get access to the money. <laughs> Did she really say that? That's the best part of television I ever heard. And I know that Lauren Eskellen, executive producer, and all of the executive producers, all of them were like, we just hit pay dirt. We brought another clown on television so that she can look like an idiot. So I'm not sure what Dr. Greg, if that's his name, is going to think about his future wife, who I think now that they're married, I think I saw her like coming down the aisle in one of the outtakes. But if that's what his wife said when she was trying to meet him, we all know that obviously Dr. G wasn't putting it down enough because Quad didn't think that his money was stacking up enough. Because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen out there, and this is a lesson to all of you gold diggers, you gold diggers rising, you hopeful gold diggers, you aspiring gold diggers. Let me tell you something. There are two things that you have to think about. Number one, how much gold is enough? Just how much gold does he have to have to satisfy you? 
And number two, which might be equally as important. So I'm just going to call this number 1.1. It's on the same level. Okay. And this is very important. Now, if he has the goal that meets your standard, the second question is, is he going to give it to you? Does he like to give? Is he going to share? Is he going to be a generous Papa daddy, sugar daddy, sugar bed, whatever you call him, sponsor? Or is he going to be the kind with the goal that's not going to give you any, that's not going to let you have your dream of living the lavish lifestyle? Let me tell you something. That is very important. And you know what? I'm so glad. And, and let me tell you something. I may not be able to talk about the war seats for very long because I got a hammer home on this point for just a little bit. I was watching the episodes. And I know y'all, I watch a lot of hood TV now. I'm a black girl. I do have these cornrows. I'm all the way woke. Sometimes I sleep, but I try to stay woke. I was watching BMF, the Black Mafia Family. So this was an episode that I watched on season two where Lala Anthony, I don't know if she's still using Anthony as her last name. I think that she got a divorce. But anyway, Lala was dating the uh, one of the BMF brothers. And she says to him, listen, she's with this guy that obviously is not good for her. He beats her. She's got a kid with him, whatever, whatever. And he has a situation where he got a baby mama. That's living at his house. So he was trying to be with Lala, but she said, listen up, dude. Now, in these in this particular instance, it doesn't matter that you can buy the Sega Genesis and bring it over here. The reality is this. I need somebody who can financially take care of me and my children for the long haul. And I want to live a certain type of lifestyle. And I know that my guy is beating my butt up, but he's a very good financial provider. Now, that means Lala on the show was willing to take an ass whipping. Excuse my language. It's quite early in the morning for that word. But she was willing to take that whipping because the money was so good. She was wearing minks and stuff and driving Benzes and living the life. And then, like I said, she was she was popping. OK, sucking on lollipops like life was good. Now, also another television show where I had to catch up on some old stuff was The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Now, Erica Jane, remember, she's the one who was married to the multimillionaire um, lawyer that fell from grace. And so she was having a conversation with Garcelle Bouvet and they were having basically a, a come to Jesus meeting. And it was a one on one with no outside ears. And so they were speaking real talk. That's what I consider it. It might have been real. It might have been kind of fake. But... Um, it was made very clear. I maybe, you know, she was either talking to Garcelle or no, she was talking to Crystal and or, or both of them. Maybe she made the same comment to both. But the point is, she said when asked the question, you know, if you could go back to your lifestyle that you had with Tom Girardi and that, you know, the high flying, private jetting, all that kind of stuff, would you go back there? She said, absolutely not. No. And of course, now that's because she had such a horrible fall from grace that's had her tied up in litigation, whatever, whatever, and completely ruined her name and, and good life and every, reputation. But 
but she was the third wife. So there were two other women that Tom Girardi had already divorced. And then he got with Erica, who I think was what, 32 years his junior. So that was like a May December relationship anyway. However, Erica did come back and say and make it very clear. She said, but I will say this. There was something to be said about having a financially comfortable life where you don't have to worry about the bills. She said now she worries about the bills. She said everything she has, it's out, go, out, go, out, go. And she doesn't like to look at the bills because it makes her have anxiety. And that is a very realistic take. So the reality is this. There's a level to the money that absolutely matters when it comes to whether or not you're going to be with somebody that has money or not. And that's why it's going to be very, very good to go on to this next topic really quickly. Let me tell you something. I got to say this story about... Cassie and Sean Combs, um, I'm using his government. If you haven't gotten your um, background to what's going on with the Diddy story, Cassie filed a federal lawsuit against Sean Combs and made several allegations of sexual assault, rape, which I don't, you know, I don't know why they just say sexual assault. Isn't it just rape? Do they just not want to say the word rape? Who started that euphemism? Let's just call it rape. Saying Diddy raped her. He um, forced her into having sex with male prostitutes while he filmed her and at the same time while get your kids out of the room if they're in there if they're being homeschooled uh, God bless you and more power to you but get them out of the room but while he masturbated while he was watching her so he's kind of like a weirdo like that if those allegations are found to be true now let me tell you something about a federal lawsuit and the lawyer that files a lawsuit in federal court Now, there's a difference in all these ragamuff filings. You see people filing lawsuits in state court and your your lawsuits that are filed in small claims court where maybe like $500 or $1,000 max or whatever it is in your jurisdiction. Those small claims court where you don't even need a lawyer. You could just go you versus the other person. That's basically what you see in Judge Judy. Now, you don't need a lawyer for that. The judges in JP Corp, which is small claims, don't even have to be lawyers in Texas. They don't even have to have a law license. So that's to let you know what kind of clown court it could be. Now, when you get up to the federal jurisdiction, when a lawyer files a lawsuit in federal courts, that's kind of like a different kind of space. Every lawyer that's licensed in state court is not necessarily licensed to practice in federal court. Now, I myself, I'm licensed to practice in three federal districts out of the four federal districts in Texas. That's the Southern District of Texas, the Northern District, and the Eastern District. So those particular federal districts require a separate license, okay? You have to maintain those licenses in good standing. I'm telling you because before you assume that Cassie is a liar or that she's lying, maybe if she had already already come out with a book or something without filing a lawsuit or if she had let, let me tell you something about about the Illuminati. <laughs> now, I know. Listen, please don't look at the radio with the side eye. And if you're streaming me, don't look at me with the side eye. Let me tell you something about the Illuminati. Now, 
You have to pay up eventually, even when you make, and this is, this is my mysteriousness about me. If you make a deal with the dark side, if it's Satan or Lucifer or whatever, if you make a deal with the devil or the Illuminati, you're going to have to pay up on your deal. Nothing is for free. So you're going to have to make sacrifices. Okay. Now, some people say that the Illuminati is all in Hollywood. The Illuminati is all in um, Washington, D.C., in politics. And you see it talked about all over the world when it comes to one world order and all this kind of jazz. Have you noticed that no matter what comes near Sean Combs, he's like John Gotti, the Teflon Don. Remember him? You know, for those who are too young to remember Gotti, he was a huge gangster. He was a leader of the crime family that inherited uh, the Gambino crime family because he off the boss, you know. And so when you're doing big things like that, you become there. There is a reason people make it to the top. Now, I don't believe John Gotti was in the Illuminati. No, I'm not saying that because he murdered his way to the top. (laughs) Typically with the Illuminati and things like that, you have to sacrifice people close to you or people in your family that's what the that's that's what the theory is so they say that Jennifer Hudson remember Jennifer Hudson she's got a talk show she won the Academy Award when she was a big girl she um was um she she won the Oscar for being in dream girls with Beyonce and another girl I don't even remember who the third dream girl was because it was so much of Jennifer Hudson well Jennifer Hudson which that should have been beyond that movie was designed for Beyonce say to be the breakout star and win the Oscar. But the reality was the big girl out sang Beyonce. Yes, she did. I know that's debatable. You can debate me on that, but I mean, it's different. It's different levels to singing. Okay. Now Beyonce can sing. I love Beyonce, but Jennifer Hudson, for some reason, the powers that be decided that she was going to be the breakout star. And guess what? She got her butt up there, won the Oscar. I remember watching it. She had on that ugly brown dress that had that big old semi-hooded cape masterful mess that kept flopping back and forth because I Obviously, she didn't have a high-end designer, but somebody got to Jennifer and made her a deal. This is my theory. Somebody got to Jennifer and said, hey, you know what? You have the chops. And this is the way I believe the Illuminati operates. From all the research that I've done, they take somebody who may not on their own have had the chops to do it. They may not have had the look, the connections, the money, the um, the lineage, you know, that could be kind of connections or the access, whatever. They didn't have it. So they choose somebody with the talent and then they make him an offer, say, What would you do to be famous? Oh, I would do anything. Are you sure? Yeah, I would do whatever. Whatever it took, I would do it. Okay, great. You sure you do it anything? What would you do to get an Oscar and a Grammy? What would you you do to be the GOAT? Now, I'm sure a lot of people would take that as a joke and not believe it. But if somebody ever asked you that, if you ever went anywhere, somebody asked you, they better say nothing. Listen, you better say, well, I'm listen, is this for real or fake? Whether it's real or fake, you have to assume that it's real. Because guess what? If you believe in God and you believe in the heavens and the hells, then you have to believe that angels walk amongst us. Now, some angels are good angels and some angels are bad angels, but they walk amongst us. And the way that they can walk amongst us is by showing up in 
appearing in human form and just throwing out a question. You might see, you've all, you've all seen those memes and those reels that you see on Instagram and all these social media networks where you see where, oh, the next homeless person that you don't give your little $10 to or give a bottle of water to, that could have been an angel or God sent by God trying to test you. Well, listen, that could also be a demon that's out there. I really believe wholeheartedly. And I had to tell my daughter this like a month ago. Kenny was like, mommy, do you believe in the Illuminati? I said, yes, I believe it's there. I said, because I said, honey, of course I believe in it because the Illuminati is a secret society, just like the Freemasons. And guess what? Your papa was a Freemason. She said, oh, really? So what did he tell you about it? I said, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I didn't really know that he was one until like I was a grown up. She said, really? Why didn't he tell you? I said, because it's a secret society and the people that actually keep in the secrets keep it secret. So, of course, there has to be an Illuminati. But my theory is this. Now, bear with me on this. Jennifer Hudson probably made a deal. And Sean Puffy Combs probably made a deal a long time ago. If you remember way back in the in the early 90s, late 80s, when Diddy was at Howard, Diddy's, Diddy is not, no, I'm not, I'm not throwing any shade. I'm not trying to man shame. I'm not trying to body shame. But Diddy is not somebody that you would consider that has the looks of an Adonis. And I used to always think that maybe he just wore the glasses all the time because he suffered from a disease where if your mom drinks too much alcohol, alcohol while she's pregnant, you end up being born with your eyes too close together. And so that's what I thought. So I think he's not particularly attractive. He's got a lot of swagger. But for somebody to go from being an A&R guy, drop out of college, then ascend to everything, then you get caught up, you make Biggie Smalls turn great. And if you look back at the, at the history of it, Diddy and Biggie were in a war kind of at the end of their um at the end of Biggie's life because Biggie was getting raped by Bad Boy and not getting all of his money. And his mom came out and said that. And she all, Biggie's mom also came out and said that it's not fair that now Sean gets to monopolize Biggie's story after his death because they really weren't that cool because Biggie knew that he was going to have to figure out a way to get his money from Puff. He was upset. So they were in a war. So that's where you need to remember. So when you fast forward, now you have Sean Combs. He's out in 1997 out in L.A. Biggie gets killed. Hmm. Could that be sacrifice number one? Could be. Now then you have, I'm sure there have been other people that I don't remember, but then you have Kim Porter, who's about to come out with a tell-all book about Combs. And remember, she knew him intimately at the weekend that Biggie was killed. I happened to be in New York City that at the time and I had dinner with Kim Porter and a friend of mine and literally everybody had just I was at the Soul Train Music Awards that year when Biggie got killed um, but we were all in New York right after that when Biggie's body was being brought back I talked to Kim and the reality was you know she even told me that she didn't really like Sean when they first met each other. 
She was with Al B. Sure. And that he wasn't attractive to her. But the reality was for her was that, you know what? He just, you know, he just rose up and she had a baby with Al B. Sure. Y'all remember? Y'all remember they look just alike. So with her having a child with Abby Sure and and as beautiful as she was, listen, if you saw Kim Porter in her face and looked at it, she was damn near perfect. I ain't gonna lie. Gorgeous to no end. So she told me, hey, you know what? I mean, the reality is you got to have a guy that can take care of you. All this is just a mess. And the person that I was at the dinner with at the time was the one that Diddy asked for a loan from so that he could buy his house in the Hamptons. Ah, yes. So that person even told me, he said, you know what? The reason why this woman is with Sean, he couldn't afford her when they first met. And he, she told him that when he was just an A&R guy, when she was working at the record label, she was working as a receptionist. And every day, Sean used to come up trying to holler at her. And he said, one day, one day, I'm going to run my own record label and I'm going to be able to date you, Kim. And she was like, oh, okay, okay. Well, you know what? It happened. But when Kim saw where all the bodies are buried, had his children, I'm sure that she endured a whole lot behind him. But when she was about to write that tell-all book, she died. All right. All of a sudden, she's sick and died. Kamarly Simmons has a video on YouTube and you need to look at it about why she believes Diddy had a hand in it. With this new story about Cassie suing suing Sean Combs, I really do feel like Cassie is really, really walking a fine line. Let me tell you something. If Sean Combs has the protection of the Illuminati, which I think he has to. Remember when he got wrapped up in all that mess when he was dating J-Lo and she was walking around looking like she was some bad girl, Jenny from the block with them cornrows in her hair and that headband. And she was wrapped up in that court case about that shooting and how all, 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 all charges dropped. How many times have you heard of Diddy getting away with things? I think he's, listen, if he gets away with whatever these claims are from the beatings to the rape to the sexual assault to she's calling it sex trafficking that's why she filed it in federal court saying that she was sex trafficked made to go from city to city and have sex with different male prostitutes so he could get his rocks off I mean this is a story that we need to we need to flesh all this out because allegedly one time he beat her so bad that he left so many bruises on her that she escaped and ran home and then her mama had to take pictures of all the bruises so she has Evidence. So physical evidence is usually something that we don't have. They're saying that these allegations are very strong. She even made the allegation that Kid Cuddy's car was bombed by Diddy after Diddy figured out that she had, uh, I guess, dated him or they had a brief relationship. So here's the thing. If Diddy felt like he had enough power and Kid Cuddy did come on and say, yeah, that's true. What she said is true. She ain't lying. If Diddy did do that, then that means he didn't feel like there was any fear of retribution, incarceration, arrest, or any any of that. He had no fear of anybody doing anything for him breaking the law. So if he's been able to go like that and always survive and then come out, isn't he like a billionaire now? He's got like a hundred gazillion dollars. He's been able to pay away all the stuff. Well, here's the thing. If this is what Diddy's M.O. is, 
and he's been beating women. If Kim Porter was about to come out with a story that he's been beating women and sexually assaulting folks, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that the person that is still alive, who was the bodyguard for Diddy for several years, was the one that was telling how Diddy really was. And he's the one who said that Kim Porter was about to have this tell-all book that was going to blow all of our minds. And when Kamora Lee Simmons allegedly went over to the house, she was wondering where it happened to the manuscript that Kim had just shown her. It's a whole lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things that are going on that we have to we have to flesh out. Thank you for watching this episode of It's Debatable with Attorney Nianza Elmore.